Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to know when lives are impacted. And if that is you, please shoot us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the message. I love this time of year because so many of us are reorganizing and reprioritizing all the things that are important in our lives. And maybe that's what brought you to church today. If it is, man, I'm, I'm so glad that you made the decision to be here because I think it's not only good to do those things, but I think it's biblical. I think that it's important that we set our sights higher and we make plans to take new ground and to go to the next level and to broaden our horizons. So whatever brought you here today, uh, I'm glad that you made the decision. And that's exactly what we're going to do in this new series, Liftoff. Together, we're going to seek what is above. And the cool thing is, is that God's word actually talks about this process of getting to the next level. It talks about setting goals. It talks about how to make that happen. And there's lots of places in scripture where you can find it. But where we're going to look together is in a grouping of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. Now, I told Danny about that. And he's like, oh, I love that U2 album. But that was, that, that was the Songs of Innocence, not the Songs of Ascent. And so within this, uh, what you're going to see is there's 15 short psalms uh, that we're going to look at. And I'm going to break out some of the context and history of these as we go through this series together. But for today, what I really want to do is just introduce this topic and, and set this up. And I told you that this is a new series, but the truth is it's more than a series. It's really an experience because what I'm asking us to do isn't just to go through uh, these on a Sunday, but to take the next 21 days and go through all 15 of these psalms together as a church. And the cool thing is we've partnered with the YouVersion Bible app and we wrote a devotional that all of us can follow along together. In fact, if you don't know what the YouVersion Bible app is, it's something you can put on your phone, Android or iPhone, any mobile device, and you can have the Bible right on your phone. And we wrote this plan with a few things in mind. First of all, it's 21 days. So if you start this tomorrow, It'll take you all the way through. The last day will be January 28th, which is the last Sunday of the series. Second thing I want to let you know about it is that uh, this is designed to be done with someone. So don't do it alone. You can, but you're missing out if you just do it by yourself because there's a question in each day. And I want you to talk about that with the people in your group or your spouse or your family. In fact, uh, my family, we love doing these at the dinner table after uh, we eat, we'll do a devotion, and we'll read the scripture, and we'll talk about the question. And it's just designed to really integrate God's word in your life in that way. And the YouVersion Bible app is set up so you can actually do that. Even with somebody who doesn't live here, you can share and, and comment and all of those things. And so I want to encourage you with that for the next 21 days. And I know that uh, as we talk about this, uh, you're going to have some questions. But what I'm going to do is as we go through it, there'll be five Psalms, Monday through Friday, and then on the weekend, I'm going to highlight something from our reading and share with you from that. And as I introduce our topic to you today, uh, what we're going to do is prepare to seek those things that are above uh, by looking at what God has for us. And I know that as I mention just the Psalms to you, immediately some of you have these thoughts in your mind about how comforting the Psalms are or you know, how poetic they are. And you like them for those reasons. But one thing I hope you see in this series is that these psalms are more than just something you put on a Hallmark card. Like, like what this series is going to do 
is really revolutionize the way that you pray and the way that you talk to God because these aren't just cute little poems. These are really prayers. And that's what these were designed for when they were originally written. They were written in such a way that Jews, as they would travel to Jerusalem to go to the temple to worship, they would sing these songs and they would pray these prayers. And it'll change your life as we begin to do this. So I want us to start with the very first song in this collection. It's, it's, the, it's the headliner on the album. And uh, if you want to join me, it's in Psalm 120, and we'll put the words on the screen for you. But it starts out, and the psalmist writes, I was in trouble. I called to the Lord for help, and he answered me. Man, isn't that great? Isn't that good? Like, like, like this is the kind of thing that you would post on Instagram. Like this is the thing that you would write it in calligraphy and, you know, frame it and hang it in your kitchen and tell everybody about all the ways that God has saved you. And aren't you glad that God has helped you in trouble, that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble, that, that he is still a rescuer today? So, so he calls out, let's keep reading. He says, I was in trouble, you answered me. And he says, Lord, save me from liars, from those who say things that are not true. So we kind of we're getting a glimpse of some of the trouble that he's in. Uh, verse three says, liars, do you know what the Lord has for you? Do you know what you will get? You will get a soldier's sharp arrow and hot coals to punish you. Amen. Come on. Like that's now I'm confused. Like apparently this guy has not gotten to the point of love your neighbor as yourself. We haven't got to that scripture yet. I mean, it's confusing because uh, I, I thought that we were going to talk about, you know, hope and we started with this devotion, and this has turned into a death threat very quickly. It says, how I hate living here among these people. It's like living in Meshach or in the tents of Kedar. I have lived too long with those who hate peace. I ask for peace, but they want war. And this psalm is kind of a downer. Like, I thought this message was going to be about hope and optimism and grace and God's promise and going to be uplifting. But instead, everything in this psalm is going down. He's complaining about the problems that are around him. And it's, uh, it's like really depressing. But you know, one thing that shows you is that God can handle your honesty. And if you don't get anything else, I hope you get that, that God can handle your honesty, wherever you're at, whatever you're facing. And that's one of the ways this series is going to help you. You're going to be able to get real with God about the stuff in your life. So many times we think we have to clean up the way we talk, use some kind of religious words or cliches to talk to God. Man, you can just tell him what's going on in your life. Lots of times we don't even run to God when we're in trouble because we don't want to vent. But man, he is the only safe place to run to and to pour out your heart to. And so even though it's kind of a strange psalm, I would tell you there are some things in here that we need to learn today if we're going to be ready to ascend. And so I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, prepare for takeoff. Prepare for takeoff. I want to pray. I want to ask for God's help as we get into his word this morning. I would ask that you would pray with me. It just helps quiet our minds and ready our hearts. So would you pray? God, we thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to come into your presence and learn from your word. God, I'm asking that you would speak to us today in the only way that you can. You speak to our hearts and you cut through all of the walls that we put up, all of the defenses, and you get to the root issue. 
God, help us to see you today. Help us get a new perspective on our troubles and our issues. Help us to learn, God, how to go to you when we need help. And I thank you, God, that you will answer us in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I'm, I'm curious. I want to ask a question. I always like to know who I'm talking to. New Year. Uh, and I hope you do better than some of our other services. Let me just tell you, some of the earlier ones, pitiful. But um, how many of you have made some resolutions this year? Resolutions? Okay, I'm, I'm still maybe going to have to do a series on goals. Uh, talk about setting goals for God. Um, I'm curious, so like, like, how many of your resolutions had to do, uh, and there's no shame in this, I'm like, how many had resolutions around money? Like, want to get better with your money, want to save money, uh, how you spend money. So, yeah, a few of you, pr- be proud of it, that's awesome. How many had resolutions around your relationships, some things you want to see happen in your relationships? I love that, that's, that's awesome. For the rest of you, I'm going to do a series on relationships. Um, how many of you um, had some resolutions around your health? Anybody? Resolutions around health? Yeah? Resolutions to uh, use that treadmill that has been sitting in your basement? Something like, I do use it as a coat rack. That's how I use it. <laughs> it still counts. But um, Anybody have resolutions to travel? You want to travel more? You want to go some places? Uh, some of you put your hands up for all of them. I love that. You're my kind of people. Uh, my wife and I, we were, we were talking just last night because uh, this year for us, this summer, we'll celebrate 15 years. It'll be 15 years we've been married. And uh, that's awesome. You don't, ha- hasn't happened yet, so you don't need to clap, but I um, appreciate that. Appreciate the encouragement. Uh, you guys are a very encouraging group this morning. So, um, but you were talking, you know, 15 years and I mean, we, we got to do something to celebrate. We've been strapped down with these kids for a while. We got to <laughs> cut loose and turn up and, you know, do something. But so we're talking about where we want to go and what we want to do. And, and I wouldn't really call it, you know, resolutions because I, I said, look, before we resolve to travel anywhere, you need to resolve to pack a little bit lighter because, uh, because every time we go somewhere, she overpacks. Any overpackers in the house, she overpacks all the time. And so I said, I'm not taking you anywhere so you make a resolution that you're going to pack a little bit lighter. And she said, that's fine. I'll just buy stuff when we're there. So um, <laughs> take an empty suitcase. But anyway, I, I'm really probably not much of a resolutions person. I'm all about goals. Not so much about resolutions. What I, what I really try to do whenever there's a new year is build new habits in my life. I was, and at least one habit. I'll try and this is the year I want to build this habit in my life. And the reason is, is because I know me. Like, I know that as I reach towards my goals, I'm going to lose motivation. There are going to be some days where I am not motivated uh, to wake up and go to the gym. There's going to be some days where I'm not motivated to work hard towards that thing that's, that's in my life. And so if I can build some habits, those habits are going to sustain me when my motivation begins to wane. So I was trying to build habits. I, I put it this way. You know, we build our habits, but then our habits build us. And so that's why as we begin this year, I wanted to design something to build some godly habits in your life. And I really tried to design this thing in such a way that everybody could participate, whether it's your first time here, your first time ever in church, or whether you've been coming to church your whole life and you've got a gold star Sunday school attendance record, whatever you are, I want everybody to be able to participate uh, in this series and in this experience that we're doing. That's why I designed this little uh, 21-day devotional. Now, one thing you should know with this devotional is that uh, these psalms are short. 
In fact, they are some of the shortest chapters in the entire Bible. How many of you love a pastor that designs a reading plan around the shortest chapters in the Bible? That's like my kind of reading plan, my kind of pastor. Says, hey, how much did you read? I read a whole chapter today. I mean, there's only three verses, but I read a whole chapter. But, um, but really what this is designed to do is, is to just be an induction process to jumpstart your desire for seeking God daily. You're, some of you are wondering, well, is there anything significant about 21 days? Well, uh, there is. I mean, 21 days in, 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 21 in Scripture is significant. There's 21 epistles. Epistles are books of wisdom and instruction. So if you need some wisdom and instruction in your life, uh, 21 would be significant for that reason. You see people seek God different periods, different places for 21 days when they needed wisdom making a decision. And so maybe some of you, as you're thinking about this new year and there's things in your life where you need God's wisdom, you're gonna seek God for these 21 days. But really, more than the spiritual component, I would just tell you the practical component is that when you want to build a new habit in your life, one of the best ways is to immerse yourself in it intensely for a short period of time. And they say that 20, it takes 21 days to, to build a new habit. And so that's what we're going to do is we're going to build some new habits over these next 21 days by seeking God daily. Now, what I'm going to tell you is even though these psalms are short and even though this reading may be easy, some of the things that I'm going to challenge you with and even challenge you with today are not going to be so easy. And that's because the things that are worthwhile are never easy. Again, this is the songs of ascent. We're going uphill. I mean, you know, it's never easy to go uphill. It's always harder. And what I found is most people, they don't, they don't live their life going uphill. They live their life putting it in neutral and going downhill. And instead of ascending, they're, they're descending. But what we're going to do, what this, what this Velocity Church morning crowd first Sunday of the year is going to do is learn to go up with God and seek what is above and we're, we're going to learn to launch into those ambitions that God's put in our heart. We're, we're going to learn to live at a new level. Because what I found is a lot of people have high hopes, but low living. You know what I mean by that? Like we have these great aspirations of where we want to go and where we want to be and what we want to do. But our practices don't line up with, with our habits, with, with our hopes. Our, our habits don't line up with our hopes. And so uh, that's what we're going to do in this series. So. As we get into this, uh, what you're going to find is that even though it may be challenging, it's also going to be very doable. It's going to be doable because God is going to help you. Isn't that, isn't that what we see in Scripture? That's the very first verse is that I cried out to the Lord. You answered. You helped me. I cried out for help. And he helped me. And God's going to help you as we learn to set some new disciplines, develop new habits in our life and that first verse, I mean, that's the one that makes sense in this psalm. It's everything that comes after it that's a little confusing. I mean, I, I get that I cry out to the Lord in trouble, call for help. He answered me. Everything after that, that's confusing. It seems, seems like a strange place to start for a journey that's designed to take us upward because everything in this psalm is going down. I'm in trouble. I'm in distress. It ends in war. I mean, this isn't the psalm that you frame and hang in your kitchen. This isn't the one that you post on Instagram. This is, this is the one that you think in your head that you don't want anybody to know that you think, God, just kill them, please, in Jesus' name. But, um, 
Is that not in your head? Does he never think? You don't want people. But that's what's crazy to me about this psalm is that he not only thinks that, he writes it down so that for all eternity he lets us know that this is what he prayed. I'm not that bold. But uh, even, even within that, it's still an appropriate beginning for us in this series and in this journey. And if we're going to go higher, if we're going to learn to ascend, if we're going to lift off for the things that God has for us and launch into them. And, and what it shows us is there's three things we need to know if we're going to prepare for takeoff. In fact, uh, the first one that you need to know is that if you want to seek what is above, you got to prepare for takeoff. You have to take off your excuses. Take off your excuses. You like that, that little clever thing, prepare for takeoff. See, if you, this is your first time, I do this every week. Just little clever things to help you remember God's word in your life. You got to take off your excuses right off the bat. I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you. I want to tell you, you have to take off the excuses that are holding you back from what God wants to do in your life. And I take this from the second verse in this psalm. He says, Lord, save me from liars, from those who say things that are not true. You know, that's what an excuse is. An excuse is a lie that you tell yourself. An excuse is a lie that you choose to believe. God, save me from these lies. I would just tell you, some of you, you've been living with excuses for far too long. You've been living with lies for far too long. These excuses, these lies that tell you that why even try? Because this year's not going to be any different. You can't change. There's no one out there for you. I don't have resolutions because every year my resolutions are the same. That's why I don't make resolutions because I just am who I am. I'm not going to change. It's always going to be this way. If you want to seek what is above, you want to go where God wants to take you, you have to learn to take off your excuses. These things that are holding you down and keeping you grounded. In fact, there's another writer in the New Testament. He, he said a similar thing. He put it a little bit differently. He said, so then, like people running a race, we must take off everything that's heavy. We must put off all wrong, wrong things that get in our way. We must not stop running until we reach the mark that has been put in front of us. So see, a lot of people, we come to church and we think the thing that's holding us back is our sin. If I could just get this sin out of my life, if I could just, you know, stop falling into temptation, if I could just stop this addiction that I know is wrong, if I could just stop this sin. But what this is telling us is that it's not just sin that's holding you back. It's not just sin that's holding. There's some other things, everything that's heavy. One translation says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. In other words, it's not just sin. There's some other things in your life that are weights that are holding you down. And the first one is your excuses. You got to take off your excuses. The reason you have to take off your excuses is because your excuses will rob you of hope for your future. Your excuses will tell you, I'm always going to be bad with money. 
I'll never get my spending under control. I'll always be in debt. I'll never, never be able to get out. I'm never going to get a job where I'm making enough to live at a level that, that, that is functionable. I'm, I'm never going to be ahead with my money. I'll tell you that you'll always be overweight. You're never going to be able to control your appetites. You're, you're not disciplined enough to, to really get into the shape. You, you don't have that kind of self-control. You can't do it. I'll tell you that your marriage is beyond repair. That, that, that the wounds and the things that have happened have scarred it. Some, there, there is no coming back from this. Excuses will take something that's hard and tell you that it's impossible. And see, the truth is, the goals that you want to achieve, the things you want to see God build in your life, the things that God is calling you to do, they are hard. Everything that is worthwhile in life is hard. It's hard because we're going uphill. It's not going to be easy. But just because the task is great, I want to remind you that our God is greater, that, that there is nothing impossible for those who believe. And so I, I love this psalm because at least this writer, he's able to be honest with where he's at. He's saying, God, save me. Save me from this situation. Save me from these lies that I've been believing. Save me from this situation that is holding me down and holding me back. He's, at least he's honest about it. Man, that's so much better than most of us. Most of us, we, we don't even run to God when we need him. Man, I've been doing this long enough to know that that's the thing that keeps people from church. That's the thing that keeps people from God. They get into a pit. They, they get into a situation where they really need the help that God can give. And instead of showing up on a Sunday, they stay as far away as they can because, man, I don't want to be around those people. I don't want anybody to see into my life. I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through. Why would God would probably strike me down with lightning if I stepped into that church? That's what we think. But at least this guy, in a moment of honesty, saying, God, this is what I'm feeling. I'm in this place. I'm holding back. And I don't even love these people. I just want to be out of here. I want to be done with it. It's just so amazing what God can do in a moment of honesty. What God can do in a moment of humility. That's the thing that unlocks God's power in your life. When you humble yourself before him, he begins to move in your life. I think about another time in the New Testament where Jesus was talking to this woman. Uh, some of you know the, the stories in John chapter 4. He was talking to this Samaritan woman at a well. He was thirsty. The disciples went around. He went for a drink. And even just this whole interaction is a little bit crazy. Shatters paradigms about what people thought of God because Jesus was a rabbi. And this was a woman back then. Rabbis didn't talk to women. There was a gender barrier. Not only that, he was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. There was a racial barrier. And he said, man, I'm going to move past all those barriers to get to where you're at. And it comes, he strikes up a conversation with her. It comes up in the conversation that she's been married not once, but five times, had five different husbands. And now she's living with another man who's not her husband. And in this moment of honesty, Jesus said something to her that, that, man, I would want to say to you today. He said, if you knew the generosity of God, if you knew man, how good God is and what he wants to give, man, he's saying you would ask me for something. He asked her for what? But if you knew who was talking, if you knew the gift of God, the generosity of God, you would ask me for water. I'd give you living water. And this is what I would say to you, man, if, if you knew 
how good God is. See, one of the things as a pastor, I get, this is a privilege of mine, I get to walk with people in their life and I, I get to see God work in their life and I get to, to see the before and after. I get to see where they're at and I get to see where God takes them and where God is taking them. I mean, I can look around in this room and I, I know some of your stories. I know what you've been through. I, I know the, the, where you've been and where God has taken you. And to, to those of you I don't know, I would just say, if you only knew, if you only knew the generosity of God, if you only knew the stories that are in this room, you, you keep thinking that you're facing something that nobody else has faced. It's an excuse. That, that's why you're, you're dealing, you're like, nobody knows what I'm going. If you only knew the stories in this room, you would have hope. You would have hope for your future. I'm telling you, there is nothing you are facing that somebody in this room right now hasn't walked through and hasn't had victory in and hasn't seen God's goodness and God's grace. If you only knew, you would have hope for the future. So you gotta take off your excuses because they rob you of hope for the future. But the other thing is, you have to take off your regrets. You gotta take off your regrets. It says, how I hate living here among these people. It's like living in Meshach or in the tents of Kedar. I've lived too long with those who hate peace. See, he's bemoaning where he's been, but he's talking about where he is. And that's exactly what regret does in your life. It drags your past into your present. He says, I've lived here too long. I hate living here. And that's what some of you are saying. I hate these decisions I've made in the past. You keep pulling your past into your present. And anytime you do that, you are always gonna be held hostage from the decisions and the things that God wants to build in your life. Now, I did a little research on these places, Meshach and Kadar, and there's a lot of interesting facts that might be relevant to our discussion, but two things I wanna share with you about, about these places. Kadar literally means a place of darkness. Meshach literally means a place of turmoil. And isn't that where we live when we're in regret? We're living in a place of darkness and disorder, darkness and turmoil, where we can't see the future. We can't see what's ahead of us because of where we're at right now. Now, what's interesting is scripture doesn't actually talk much about regret. It may be a little bit, but not too much. Instead, scripture talks about something much better. Instead of talking about regret, scripture talks about repent, repent. Now, when I say repent, a lot of people that they have this image in their mind of, you know, falling on your face and weeping and wailing, but that's not what repent means at all. Repent literally means a course correction. Repent literally means a change in direction. That's what's happening here. He's, he's crying out to God, he says, I've lived here too long. We're about to set off on a journey. I don't want to stay here. And every single one of us in this room have some place in our life where, where we've lived with it too long. We have this place in our life. We thought, this is always going to be here. I'm always going to live this way. I'm always going to have this addiction. I'm always going to have that, that thing that happened. I'm always going to have that weakness. I'm, I'm always going to have that struggle. We live in this place. And God said, you need to stop living in regret. What you need to do is repent. You need to have a change in direction. And I like to illustrate it this way. And if you've ever 
been part of a recovery program. You've probably heard this illustration before, but it's called My Life in Five Chapters. And it's what it is. I went for a walk and I fell into a deep, dark hole and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter two, I went for a walk and I fell into that same deep, dark hole and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter three, I went for a walk. This time I saw the hole, but I got too close to it and I fell in and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter four, I went for a walk. This time I saw the hole and was able to get around it. Chapter five, I went down a different street. That's what repentance is. And see, some of you, you've been living in the first four chapters. You, you, you've been living, a, I've, I've got this thing in my life and sometimes I fall in and Sometimes I see it and I can watch myself taking that step and fall in. And sometimes I, I try and get around it, but I get too close to it and I still slip in. And, and then there's sometimes in my life I actually I get past it, but that, that's, it's always there. It's just it's in my life. And, and what God would say is you're, you're living with regret. You need to repent. You need to just have a completely different course correction. Quit, quit going down that street. Go down a new street. You can go down a path today where that's not even in your life anymore. That, that's what God would say to you. This isn't in my notes, but I like how Paul wrote about it. It's in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, if you want to look it up. He, he says, look, I, I'm not claiming like I've got this all figured out. I, I'm not saying that I've arrived. But there is one thing I do, which is I forget what's behind me and I strain toward what's ahead. And I, I do that. I, I says I press on toward the mark for the prize for which Christ Jesus is calling me heavenward. In other words, God's calling you up. And that's what I'm inviting you today. He, God's got a higher call on your life. He's, he's calling you to come up to the place where he is instead of staying where you're at. And you can only do it by letting go of what's behind you. You got to take off regret. But there is a, a final thing I want to share with you. You got to take off your excuses. You got to take off your regrets. But you also have to take off demands. Demands. And I want to go back to that verse in Hebrews where it says, we must take off everything that's heavy. In other words, there, there's some things that are wrong. But it's not just things that are wrong. It's not just things that are sinful. Not just things that are bad. Sometimes we just have some demands on our life. We have some things we're letting into our life that are heavy. Another translation says, says weights. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about demands. And this is what I want to challenge you with over these next 21 days. I want to challenge you to participate in a fast with me. A fast. Now, a lot of you may not know what a fast is. I'll, I'll explain it to you real quick. First of all, you can Google what is fasting and you will have way more resources than you ever imagined you would need. But just real quick for, for us, fasting really, it's laying aside the weights that get in the way of us seeking God, that get in the way of us seeking the things that are above. And so typically in scripture, uh, fasting has to do with food, but I would just say fasting is this. It's it's declaring our dependence on God by disengaging in our dependence from the world. 
So it's, it's not that these things are bad. It's not that they're sinful. It's not that they're evil. It's not that they're wrong. It's just there's some things that, that they place some demands in our life and they, they get in the way and, and they're heavy. And so we're saying, no, I'm not going to lay those things aside. And I'm going to make a declaration that the only thing I depend on is God. Now, most of the time in Scripture, when people talk about fasting, what, what you see is, is food. They, they, they set aside food. There's a couple other times where it's not food. But, but what, what we're going to talk about, I'm not asking anybody to, to fast food today, okay? So you can rest easy. You, you, can, you can breathe. You can, whew, all right. It's not asking. But I'll just explain it to you. Um, there's a few different, there's a complete fast where that's, you, just, you, you fast everything and just water or juice or, or broth. Um, and in all truthfulness, maybe there's a couple people when I mention that, God is speaking that to you. He says, you need to do this because there's some big things in your life. But for most of us, probably not going to be that one. There's, there's a selective fast where, where you just select certain things you're going to remove from your diet. Some things that you, you, you depend on it might be, you know, for some, it might be like coffee or, or something like that. Marissa said she's going to fast fruits and vegetables. I think that's cheating. So um, there's a selective fast. There's a, there's a partial fast where, where you still eat, but you just, maybe it's, there's some days where you fast everything, or there's some meals where you don't eat. That's, that's a partial fast. But then there's, there's an, another one, and I would call this, it's a soul fast. And honestly, in our culture, this is probably more helpful. Now, all of those are, are are scriptural. There's not one that's more holy than the other. All of them will benefit you. What I want to talk about today is a soul fast. And, and that's where you, you remove the things from your life that you're feeding your soul with. It could be lots of different things. It could be the television you watch, the, the shows, the news. It, it could be the, the, the media you listen to. It could, could be the you know, YouTube, Netflix, what, whatever it is. It could be social media. It could be all, all of those things. Um, things that you're feeding your soul with, removing those so you can seek what is above. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask everybody to engage with and participate with this week is just to fast social media. Now, I know some of you are like, I would rather not eat anything than, like, I'd rather not eat than that. I'm just telling you, just fast social media. What is that? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is for you. You know, Pinterest. Some of you are like, well, I'm not on social media. Well, I want you to fast whatever it is that is distracting and taking your attention. Maybe some of you is visiting the ESPN website or, you know, whatever that would be. Just things that are, are taking your attention. I'm going to ask you to fast social media. And here's what happens. When we do this, what we're doing is we're putting God first. Now, one thing you should know is that anytime you see fasting in Scripture, you never see fasting by itself. It's always fasting and prayer. So in addition to removing something from our life, I'm going to ask you not just disconnect from the world, but to pray so you connect with God. So I'm like, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I'm not very good at praying. I'm not very comfortable praying. Well, in that devotion I wrote you, there's, there's a prayer. Each day has a prayer. So you can just do that. You can just Pray that prayer, and that'll be a way you can participate. I'm also going to ask some of you to, to join me, and let's seek God together as a church. And every Wednesday, we're going to open up our office at 6.30 a.m., and we're going to pray together for an hour. Now, there, there's nothing spiritual about 
6.30 versus another time. You're not, you don't get like extra Jesus points if you do 6.30 instead of 10.30, okay? It's just that most of us, we gotta work at, at eight o'clock in the morning. So I figure if I do it for 6.30 and we pray for an hour, you still got a half hour to get to work. Hopefully that works for most of you. Now, this is not an obligation. It is an invitation. It's not shame on you if you can't make it. My wife won't be there because we have kids and they gotta get to school. So, I mean, not everybody's gonna be there. But if you can, I wanna invite you. Something powerful happens when we seek God together. And this is what this is. We're, we're building this habit of learning to seek God first, to seek God daily. That's what we do in fasting. And that's what I wanna encourage you to do. It's what it's all about. If we wanna seek what's above, we gotta seek God first. That's what the Christian life is. Christian life is not going through Velocity's growth track. Well, that's good, you should do that. That's not being a Christian. Christian life isn't being a church member. It's not even coming to church faithfully and regularly. That's good, you should do that, it's gonna help you. Christian life is about reordering and reprioritizing your life so that God is first. And I wanna challenge you with something, I don't say this to put shame on you, but I would tell you this. If God is in your life, but he's not first, he's not in your life because he requires first place. And he can do that because he modeled it for us. He, he sent his first and only begotten son into the world so that we could have a relationship with him. He died on the cross for your sin. He says, this is the priority that I'm putting on you. So I'm expecting you to put priority on me. And so this is how I wanna close. And that's why I'm asking you to fast with me. Pray, fast, seek God daily. So that we'll learn to reorient our life, begin to put God first.